Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. A couple weeks ago, I had somebody ask me a question. They said, George... What do you think about this prediction that the Mayans made so many centuries ago that the world was going to end on December 21st, 2012? What do you think about that, George? But what's happened is, is I've had a lot of people ask me this question about what about the Mayans? What about the Mayans? What are they saying? How does that fit in with what's going on? What does the Bible say about that? What can I say? I've got friends who are asking questions. And folks, it is a real issue. I have in my hand here something I, I, I printed off from my computer from Fox News website because they have a special segment on Fox News. And it's called Countdown to Doomsday. And here's what they wrote. Mankind has long been fascinated with doomsday. Hundreds of thousands of predictions have been made about the end of our world. Did you know that? Hundreds of thousands of predictions. While most of these are associated with the second coming of Christ, as in most of them are about Jesus, the focus now is on the Mayan civilization of southern Mexico and the end of their calendar on December 21st, 2012, which is the coming winter solstice. Here's, this is interesting. Over 3,000 books and countless websites claim that the Mayan people predicted the earth will be destroyed on this date. And here's what they said. The scenarios are truly frightening. The earth will be destroyed by colliding with an asteroid or being pulled into a black hole at the center of the Milky Way galaxy. Others claim that a galactic planetary alignment will tear, tear the earth apart or that the earth's magnetic poles will shift and our planet will turn upside down. That's what they say is going to happen. So you're sitting there and you're saying, wow, wow. And there's a lot of fascination with it, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of what they already said. This is one of the predictions that has nothing to do with Jesus coming back, because we hear predictions all the time about Jesus coming back. Didn't we just have predictions about last year in May about Jesus coming back? Then it was supposed to be October? I have a young person I'm friends with, and uh, they, they put an interesting post up. I had to laugh at it. It says, I've survived two apocalypses, and I'm sure I'm going to survive the third one. <laughs> so people are either taking it serious or they're laughing at it. So it raises a question, really, that we need to answer today. It raises a question because there really is two issues going on. The issue is, is about why are we so fascinated with what's going to happen in the future. Why is mankind so fixated on what the Mayans are saying? Why is mankind so fixated on what someone might say about the return of Jesus Christ? Why are we that way? And I think my folks, I think the reason is is because we have a hidden fear. All of us have a hidden fear, whether we realize it or not, about the future. And there's two things I want you to see about it. Two things. Number one, Humanity is fascinated with the future. There's something about us 
where we are fascinated with the future. Why? Well, here's, here's one reason. Number one, when we look to the past, we either look with regret or with shame. And there's nothing we can do about it. When we look to the present, well, we know what the present's like. But when it comes to the future, that's the big question mark. That's the big unknown. We want to know the future. That's why some of you, folks, I'll be honest with you, that's why some of you needlessly look at the horoscopes. Like for some reason, if you're a Pisces or an Aquarius or something, they're going to tell you what's going to happen that day. That's why some of you are like, can't wait to get my fortune cookie at the China place today. And, you know, the words of wisdom there could be for anybody, including your dog. Isn't that true? But why, why are we so fixated? Because we have this fixation, this fascination with what knowing about the future And one thing that we have a hidden fear about is knowing how it's all going to end. How am I going to die? Is he really going to come back? What's it going to be like? And I'll be honest with you, isn't it interesting that there's almost a correspondence with something. When times get tough, when times are even more difficult, we become even more fascinated with it. When times are going good, We're living for the present. But when times are tough, we're wondering how we're going to make it anyhow. We become really fascinated with the whole issue of how is it going to end. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Believers live out of partial information. Here's the sad thing for me as a pastor. When I look at you, a lot of times, and I listen to you, or I listen to others in the community, what I find is is that there actually is an ignorance among believers, as to what Jesus Christ said, or as to what the Scriptures say concerning the end times, concerning what he said about his coming. Do you understand what I'm saying? And most people will listen to or remember or have half of something that they got from some preacher or what somebody said on TV or what somebody said on the radio, and they'll believe it. Because they themselves don't know the answer. So, for instance, in that article that was on the web on the Fox News site, they mentioned this guy who's a Christian who believes that Jesus Christ is coming soon. In fact, he believes it so much. Here's what he's done. He put up a live Internet camera in Jerusalem to capture when Jesus will come back. I read that and I'm thinking, okay, I don't think anybody's going to be watching that. Because when he comes, he comes. I don't think we're going to be worrying about what my video camera showed me. Because the scripture says that the world will see. And the world will mourn when Jesus comes back. See, then again, ignorance. Believers live out of partial information. In fact, here's what happens. Because we live out of partial information, when we hear something like the Mayan prediction, or when somebody asks us about that, We don't really have an answer. In fact, we try to maybe, to be honest with you, try to see how it fits in. That maybe the Mayans had some kind of special understanding that nobody else did. And so we try to figure it out. Well, I want to, I want us to be people who aren't ignorant. I don't, I don't want us operating on partial information. I, I, my task today as your pastor is to help you to have full information. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at the scripture, we're going to look at Mark chapter 13, 
Now, all of Mark 13 discusses the whole issue of Jesus' return, but we're actually going to look at two sections from Mark 13. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10, which we're going to see the warning, and then we're going to look at verses 32 through 37, which is going to bring us the encouragement. Now, in between that, he's going to give some more details of what's going to happen during a certain time. I'm not going to focus on that today, because that really is not the point that I need to talk to you about today. Because we're talking about what to make of this Mayan thing. And so I want you to hear what Jesus says as a warning. And then I want you to understand what you need to do with it, which is what we're going to see with the encouragement. So notice with me, verses 1 to 10. Then as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Here, we'll listen to what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and began to say, Take heed, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name and say, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for the testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Look now at verse 32. But of that day and hour, no one knows Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who has left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, in the morning, less coming suddenly, he find you sleeping. And I say to you, I say to you all, watch. Very interesting, isn't it? Let's look first of all at the warning. I think it's very relevant, especially in light of the whole issue of what is the Mayans real or whatever. I want you to see a couple of things here. First of all, Jesus is saying this. Well, first of all, let me give you the setting. They're in Jerusalem, they're probably walking through the temple areas, and the disciples look at Jesus and say, wow, Jesus, look at how fabulous these buildings are. And folks, let me tell you, they were fabulous. It was a significant thing. And Jesus looks at him, and, and, and he's, they're expecting, oh yeah, these are great. Jesus looks at him and says, yeah, these are wonderful buildings, but not one stone will be left upon another here. He's predicting the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. So when they get up to the Mount of Olives, Peter, James, John, and Andrew 
get with Jesus privately and they say, well, let us know what's going on here. Again, that fascination with the future. Tell us what's going to happen here, teacher. Tell us what's going to happen, rabbi. Tell us what's going to happen, Jesus. And so that's when he gives them a warning. And the first thing I want you to see that is he tells us is to be on guard against deception. You've got to be on guard against deception. Don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone deceive you. You have got to be vigilant about this. Why do I say that? You know what? I've been a believer now 27 years. And in 27 years, let me just go ahead and tell you this right now. I have seen so many things of Christians being deceived by so many different predictions. The latest one we heard was what? That it was going to happen with Harold Camping and the whole prediction of May of last year, 2011. And people giving up their jobs, quitting their jobs, selling everything, their houses, everything, to be ready. And then, of course, May came by, and guess what? June came by. We're still here. But you know what? There were people who were deceived. See, remember I told you earlier that we operate on partial information? And when you operate on partial information, folks, listen to me. You are a prime candidate for somebody to come by and deceive you, especially concerning this topic. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus is warning them, be on guard against deception, because somebody will say, he's here, he's coming. Folks, when he comes, you'll know it. When he comes, that'll be it. And you'll know. There won't be any question. There won't be any speculation. Won't be any theological discussions. Was that it or was it not? So don't be deceived. Don't listen to somebody who tells you that. Here's the other thing he tells you, and here's the thing that we've got to grasp. Notice what he says there. Look with me, verse 7 and 8. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled by such things, for such things must happen. But the end is not yet. Let's go on. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. Notice what he says. These are the beginning of sorrows. Here's the next point I want you to see. Wars and natural disasters are only a preview. I've heard it. I've heard people talk about it just nonchalantly. Oh, we're getting close to the time. I know Jesus must be coming back soon. Why? Because we're having more earthquakes than ever. But look at the storms we're having. Look at the world. The world's just constantly... It seems like we're having more wars than ever. Recently I saw an interesting thing that showed that they, they somehow they figured out through anthropology or whatever that maybe even a thousand years ago, 60% of people died from war pestilence. That's more than half the population dying from war or pestilence. I don't know if that's true today here, is it? I don't think so. We've always had those things happening. Natural disasters, wars. But notice what Jesus is saying. Don't be alarmed by them. Because they're only what? A preview of what's coming. They're the beginning of sorrows. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? And in one other part, he, he likens them to this. He calls them the birth pangs. What does that mean, George? Well, ladies, do you remember when you were with, with child and you got the Braxton Hicks contractions? They weren't the real thing, were they? No, but they were preparing your body for the real thing, right? 
Isn't that interesting that Jesus would use that analogy to describe it that way? We're not in labor yet, folks, for the coming. But what we see here is only a preview. It's only the beginnings. It's only, it's only the earth groaning for the time of his coming. But see, again, if, if I'm operating on partial knowledge, then every earthquake, every, every superstorm that happens, every hurricane, every natural disaster, every war, every tragedy, you know, I, just recently somebody's reading a book about the stuff that happened on 9-11 and how that fits into Bible prophecy. Can I be honest with you? It doesn't. But it does in this sense. What do you mean? It does, but it doesn't. The Bible doesn't specifically talk about the Twin Towers. Period. But it does tell us in a passage like Mark that there will be wars and rumors of wars. Such things will happen. But they're only the what? The beginning of sorrows. Do you understand? The beginning of sorrows. But if you have a partial understanding... Oh yeah, this guy must be right. So you buy his book. So wars and natural disasters are only a preview. But here's what else I want you to see. There's one other point I want you to see from this warning that Jesus tells us. And this is the one that we've got to grasp, that we've got to get a grip on. Look with me at verse 9 and 10. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils. You will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Let me just help you understand. The word nations there means ethnos, which is ethnicities. It's not talking about borders. It's talking about peoples. So here's the other thing that Jesus is telling us here. Look at what he says. The peoples of the world must be reached with the gospel. You know what, before you get comfortable and before you start saying, oh yeah, he's coming and and you're getting ready for it, you need to understand that there's still a job to be done. What do you mean? Well, I know that when I read in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, he talks about the, the hardness, the partial hardness of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles. What is that? Until the full numbers of the Gentiles is complete. What does that mean, George? Until the full number of Gentiles has come to Christ. Who's that? That's us and the people of the world who don't, who are non-Jewish. And I also know that I'm, I know from missions that there are over 5,000 people groups who have not heard Jesus yet, who have not been reached. Well, how many people is that, George? Well, if you just take the 1040 window that's from North Africa all the way into Asia, you're talking about more than half the population of the world. And they've yet to hear about Jesus. Sounds like we've got a lot to do, doesn't it? Well, times are getting tough here, George. It's almost, it's almost terrible to be a Christian. Look at what he said in verse 9. Didn't he tell you it was going to be tough? It's a tough thing to be a Christian. Didn't he tell you that naming the name of Christ is going to draw people not liking you? I mean, he let it, he let it be known right up front, isn't it? But the problem is, is we operate on, what's the, what do we operate on? Well, folks, partial information. And very clearly, Jesus says what here? Don't be deceived. The wars and the natural disasters, that's only a preview. That's just the beginning of sorrows. But here's the other thing. The gospel needs to go to the nations. Still people that need to hear. Still people that need to hear. You say, well, how's it going to happen, George? It's going to take people going out, reaching out. 
So that's the warning. So notice the encouragement now. Let's drop down to 32 because he gets in between verse 11 and 31 are some specifics there. And I don't want to get into those today, but I would encourage you to read them on your own. But there is an encouragement to you here. Look with me at verse 32. Here's the first thing. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Here's the first thing you need to grasp. And I think this is very important, especially when we consider about the prediction of the Mayans. Here's the thing. You will not know when the end is. You will not know when the end is. When will we get that one through our brain? Folks, the Mayans, several centuries ago, didn't know. God didn't consult them and say, hey, this is what's going to happen. How do I know that? Because notice what he says there. Notice what he says there. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. Who's the Son? Jesus. Only the Father knows. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the picture we have from Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is is that God's going to sit on the throne, and they're going to be worshiping him there. And the picture is is that he holds up a scroll, and, and the question is, who is worthy to open it? It's when the Father holds up the scroll that the judgments begin. And at that point, the only one who is worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Who's who, folks? Jesus. And then he opens the seals, and then the end begins. But it's the Father who knows. It's not a group of Mayans. It's not some engineering student or, or former whatever, like Harold Camping was, or, or not some NASA scientist who made the prediction in 1989. It's not some, some prophecy guru or any of this. It's not some pastor. It's not your grandmama. It's, it's not anybody. Do you understand? Nobody knows. That's reality. Nobody knows. It's going to come as a total shock. Jesus described it this way, folks. If you have an understanding of what the Word says, it's like a thief coming into your home. If you knew he was coming, you'd be ready for him. But most thieves catch us what? Yeah, unaware. I mean, if you knew they were coming to your house to steal something, you'd be ready, wouldn't you? You'd be ready. But Jesus said it's going to come like what? A thief in the night. You aren't going to be ready. Nobody's going to know. Nobody knows when the end is. But here, look at verse 33. He tells us something. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. What does he say? Be aware and be ready. Be aware of what, George? We're not supposed to, we're not supposed to, we don't know when it is. Well, yeah, you don't know when it is, but you need to be ready for it. One of the illustrations that he uses in the gospel, he tells a story of these these maids who have lamps, and five of them had lamps and had oil, and the other five didn't. And they were supposed to wait for when the bridegroom shows up to take the bride. And the five who didn't have oil went to sleep. And then the bridegroom came, and they were supposed to light their lamps at that point, but they don't have any oil now. And so they were caught totally unaware, because they weren't ready. They didn't know when he was coming, but they weren't ready for when he came. You know what the sad thing is, folks? I'm going to be honest with you. We're not ready. We're not. He's saying, be aware. You know what? Here's the thing. When I see the natural disasters that are happening, and I see the wars that are happening, and I see people making predictions that are mindless and meaningless, it all fits right in with what Jesus was telling me is going to happen, right? So it just makes me realize what? I'm moving closer. We're one day closer. Another day closer to when Jesus is coming back. 
I don't know when it is. may not be in my lifetime, but we're moving closer. And here's the thing. I need to be ready. We say, George, what if, what if he doesn't come back in our lifetime? What does the readiness mean? Because here's the other thing, folks. You need to be ready anyhow. Why? Because you don't know when you're going to die and meet him. Do you know that? You don't know when you're going to die. There's no clock. It says 60 seconds left. Make the most of it. You know what I'm saying? you got to be ready. Be aware and be ready. That's what Jesus is saying to us. Be aware and be ready. And here's what he tells us, verse 34 to 30, 37. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch what he's saying. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. Folks, I just told you there's 5,000 people groups who don't know the Lord. Who's never heard. Never heard. I mean, there are hundreds and thousands of people who have never even seen a Christian, let alone heard about Jesus Christ. Do you realize that? Here's the thing I want you to understand, and you need to grasp this. This, this blows my mind, but I'll, I'll blow yours too, okay? Do you realize that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a part in his plan for his coming back? Do you realize that? Have you ever thought about that? Well, I'm not Billy Graham, George. I'm not one of those big TV preachers. How in the world am I going to do something for Jesus? Folks, your little part in your little world, whether it's at work or in your neighborhood or whatever, is all part of his ultimate plan. And who you reach in your world is all part of his ultimate plan. You're a part of it, whether you realize it or not. You need to realize it. That's why you need to be aware and be ready. Because when he comes, you need to be found what? Faithful. Faithful. To accomplish what it is that you're supposed to do. And look, here's the thing, folks. One day when you go to be with Jesus, he's going to say, here, take a look. This is what your life was for. And because of this, look at what you accomplished. That's significant, isn't it? That'll blow your mind. So you need to be aware, you need to be ready, and you need to recognize that there is work to be done in your world. I mean, think about it for a moment. Probably some of you don't know who this name is. Some of you will know. D.L. Moody was the great evangelist of the 1900s. Great evangelist. Shoe salesman. We don't know. I think we do know the name of the person who led him to Christ. But there was nothing significant there. But because that person reached out to D.L. Moody, thousands came to Jesus through the ministry of D.L. Moody. You need to be ready. You don't need to be worried about, is the man's going to, are we going to get sucked into a black hole? No, you ain't going to be sucked into a black hole. How do I know that, George? Well, the Bible tells you he's coming back to this world. But it ain't the Mayans who got it right. But the thing of the reality is, is that what is he saying? You need to be ready for his coming. And in the meantime, before he comes, you need to what? You need to do what he's telling you to do. You need to live for him. Because you don't know the impact. Folks, it's already happening whether you realize it or not. What do you mean? There have been people who have come. I've been pastoring here almost 12 years now. 
in those 12 years, there have been people who have come through the doors here and that I know who have now left and gone to other areas and God is using them where they were. Do you understand? There's work to be done. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.